Well, good morning. Um, thanks for joining us. If you're online, uh, we're glad you're here also. So we're six days from Christmas, and I've been trying to downplay the, you know, the presents and that kind of stuff, but I got a present last night that I just got to show you. Can I show you this present I got? I'm really geeked about it. Thank you for that permission. Here it is. It's a t-shirt, and it says, be careful or you could end up in my sermon. So if you're thinking nodding off today, careful. You could be in the sermon. I might name you. I might not. Years ago, uh, my wife and I were, I don't know, in the theater. I don't even know what movie we were watching, but the, the trailer from Saving Private Ryan comes on. And in this trailer, a priest walks up to the house, accompanied by a couple military officials, to inform this poor mother that yet another one of her children has died in battle. And the story of, the story of saving Private Ryan is he is the last surviving son, and they've got to go get him, and they extract him, and that's, that's the story. But, you know, that, that image stays in my mind. When I think about why do we celebrate Memorial Day? Because Memorial Day really can come down to it's the start of summer, it's the end of May, you grill, you go out, you run and jump in the pool, you do all kinds of things. And we can easily forget the significance of Memorial Day. Well, if that can happen with Memorial Day, how much more with Christmas? Man, there's a lot going on. We're six days out. I already talked about presents. You got all your shopping done. Got all your food for the people coming over? Have you, have you, have you, have you, have you, have you, have you? And we can forget about why we celebrate Christmas. So I want us to think about that today. So if you've got a Bible, if you'd open it to Luke chapter 2, uh, we're starting in verse 8 and we'll go through verse 20, wrestling with the question, why do we celebrate Christmas? If you've been with us, you've noticed we've stepped back from our series on the Sermon on the Mount for four weeks to talk about Advent. Now is a time to reflect. Jesus came. It points to a second coming. But we want to talk about the significance of what it means that he came. Because it's a story that many of us are familiar with, the birth and the manger and blah, 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 blah. But, but we want to step back and reflect that. And we have been in this devotional, and I've taken passages out of this devotional intentionally that we might think again about why we celebrate Christmas. So to set up our passage, um, Augustus Caesar called a census, and the reason he called a census is for tax purposes, so everybody had to go back to their hometown. So if you get irritated with tax season, at least you don't have to travel back to your hometown to do it. Well, because Mary was pregnant with Jesus, she travels with them, and she gives birth to Jesus in Bethlehem, and that's where we start in verse 8 with this. Right after the birth of Jesus in the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. An interesting choice, the birth of Jesus, we're going to start with shepherds. Shepherds on the socioeconomic scale were on the lower rung. They worked for somebody. They were watching over somebody's fields. They were watching over their flock. They weren't well thought of on the social scale. And along comes some angels. Now, angels are kind of the most mysterious being. They're created being somewhere between 
humanity and God, but they're created for, uh, to serve God and serve God's purposes. So they show up and they have a message for these shepherds. Here's what we got in verse 9. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. You bet they were, because these are shepherds who night after night, they go do their thing in the fields, they watch the animals, make sure, okay, who's got this shift? I've got it, and, and we've done this, and we've done it, and we've done it, and, and all of a sudden, these angels are here, and, and they are terribly frightened. Now, if you've been with us before, you know God's number one command to his people is do not what? Do not fear. And they're frightened. So the angels are going to deal with this fear starting in verse 10. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. Another way of saying do not fear. Why? Because God is in control. God loves us. And, and Jesus is going to be the ultimate statement of why we shouldn't fear. Here's why. I bring you good news. I'm going to come back and talk about that term of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David, there's been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. First term I want to talk about there, why we don't have to fear and why we can have great joy, is good news. This is a term I think the angel and Luke and ultimately the Spirit of God intentionally co-opted this was the term that the, the Romans used when they had military conquest. Good news. The kingdom has expanded. Good news would go out throughout the kingdom. Well, God is taking this term and saying, good news. And I think that's a foreshadowing that this kingdom of God that we were talking about in the Sermon on the Mount, it's going forward. And it started real small, but 2,000 years later, this thing's rolling. And it's gaining ground, especially in other parts of the world. Now, what's different is when the Romans sent out good news, it was news of a military conquest. Well, we're going to see the kingdom of God over the last 2,000 years uh, gain ground in a totally different way. I'll probably talk to you about this, but at the last week in January, we'll start a series in the book of Revelation. So I'm working on that right now. And there's a scene in, in, in heaven in chapter 5. There's a scroll that is to be opened, but no one is found worthy to break the seals. And there's weeping in heaven until one steps forward. And this vision is being given to John, and he hears about the Lion of Judah, the root of David. Lion is a it's the king of the jungle. It, it, these are... are conquest terms. This is what John hears. But then he turns and he sees a slain lamb. And you put the two together, God's church will conquer, not militaristically, but as they follow their Savior who died for his enemies. And, and then this will be a motif that will go throughout the book of Revelation. God's kingdom will go forward as his people maintain their testimony and are true to him and suffer for that to the point of even death. So there's good news. And then he says, Luke says in this passage, a savior is born. See, in the Roman world, Augustus Caesar was the savior. That's what was understood to the Roman people. He is your savior. Luke's saying, no, 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 that's just not true. The true savior, he's been born. 
And is Jesus the Lord? Lord is a term of authority. And Luke is going to spend the rest of the book of Acts, I'm sorry, the rest of the Gospel of Luke, and then he writes the book of Acts, making the case that Jesus has authority. First, Jesus will show his authority in his three years of public ministry, and then in the book of Acts, he will show his authority through his followers. This is what we're celebrating. A Savior has been born. So why do we celebrate Christmas? At Christmas, God gave us a Savior. At Christmas, God gave us a Savior. Now imagine you're one of the the shepherds and you're out there. I mean, you've been doing your job week after week after week after week after week, day after day, month after month, year after year, and all of a sudden, uh, the sky lights up. and, And you, am I imagining this? Am I hallucinating? Has it been too many days alone in the field? Well, the angels are going to give him something to verify this with, and we see it in verse 12. This will be a sign for you that you're not nutty, that you didn't imagine this. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. You're going to find a baby in this manner. Now, before the angels send the shepherds on their way, something else happens, and we see it in verses 13 and 14. And suddenly there appeared with an angel a multitude of heavenly hosts doing what? Praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. They're celebrating. What are they celebrating? That a Savior has been born. This is a big deal. This is worthy of celebration. It's six days before Christmas. We celebrating that? Well, we got, we're pretty busy. Got other things to do. Got presents to buy and people to invite and food. And See, I, I think we're created to celebrate and I think we fall so short in what we celebrate. So if you have been here before and you've heard me preach, you know I am a fan of the University of Michigan football. Okay. Well, an logarithm on Facebook has figured that out. And so what has happened in the last three weeks, literally for the first time in 10 years, Michigan beat their arch rival, Ohio State. And the next week in the Big Ten Championship, they beat Iowa. So here's what is available to me now on Facebook. T-shirt. I can get the score of the Ohio State game, or I can get the score of the Iowa game, or it says Big Ten Championship. Sweatshirt, same thing. Hat, Big Ten Champs, it says. A book that records all this stuff, suitable to put on your coffee table. A blanket that you can, that records this. You can put it over you when you go to sleep. And then there's, there's, a, there's pictures that are framed at a high price that you can put on your wall that gives the score. Why are they creating these things? Because people are buying them. I haven't. I just want to say, I'm clean. (laughs) But why would people spend an overpriced amount of money for this? Because they want to do what? They want to celebrate. What? That their team beat their arch rival for the first time in 10 years. That they won the championship for the first time in 18 or 9. I don't know how many years it was. 
And you, you can move off Michigan, go to the Chiefs three years ago. Why did everybody go to that parade? Man, it's like, woohoo, we won. First time in 50 years. Want to celebrate the quarterback and the coach. And we're falling way short. <laughs> and the object of our celebration, way short. Because you're not going to have another Super Bowl champion next year. They're going to have another Big Ten champion next year. And this thing's going to move on and on and on. And would we celebrate Jesus at Christmas? You got six days. Would you put time in your way to celebrate that a Savior was born to us? Well, the shepherds, have been, they've been informed. And they've seen the celebration and they've been given uh, a way to confirm this. But now they got a choice. Are they going to they follow through in this or are they just going to blow it off? Yeah, it was one of those things and we'll just kind of... We'll move right on. Here's what they do. Verse 15. When the angels had gone away from them into the heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, let's go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. We're going to check this out. We're not going to let this ride. We're going to see, is this legit? What do they find? Verse 16. So they came in a hurry and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. Just like the angels said. So they had this experience, hey, a Savior's been born. I'm telling you, shepherds of all the people, and I'm giving you a way to, to verify and go check it out. So the, the shepherds do. They go check that out, and they find out it's legit, it's true. So you know what they start doing? They start doing this in verse 17. When they had seen this, they may known the statement which has been told them about this child. They started telling other people about their experience with Jesus. Oh, Andy, they can't do that. They haven't been to seminary. They don't know the Bible. They have no Bible study. Didn't matter. They can tell people, this is my experience with Jesus. You don't need a seminary degree to do that. You don't need a Bible study to do that. Have you experienced Jesus? Can you tell others about it? Yeah, I don't think it's a mistake that God chose the shepherds initially. Because see, you know, when, when we get a lot of stuff and we get some training and we get a degree and we think, and, you know, we think we're something and we're going to go tell people. These shepherds think, man, I, I don't got much, so I'm going to, I'm really going to have to, God's going to work through me. It's really going to have to be him. Not exclusively, but by and large, God has worked through the powerless to move his kingdom forward. I don't think it's any mistake that he starts with the shepherds as the first people who will voice his message. So these shepherds start talking, and, and what kind of a response do they get? Well, here's one response they get. All who heard it wondered, and, they, and the, the term here is they were amazed at the things which were told them by the shepherds. Wow, really? That's a big deal. Wow, that's a big deal. Well, if you follow Jesus through, he has 30 years working as a carpenter. He goes into public ministry. He does all kinds of amazing stuff. Like if somebody's sick and he just speaks the word and the fever's gone. And, and there's, they, they, some friends let down a paralytic and 
Jesus said, your sins are forgiven, and people get all wigged out. You can't forgive sin. Jesus said, what's easier to do, forgive sin or tell the guy to walk? And, and so he tells the paralytic, pick up your thing and walk. And, and people are, wow, that, whoa. And then they're out in a storm, and the disciples are freaked out because it's really bad. And Jesus, don't you care? And Jesus stands up and says to the waves, hush, be still, and bang, it's done. Then there's a guy, Lazarus, he's been in the tomb four days, he's a friend of Jesus, and Jesus said, hey, roll back the stone. Everybody, whoa, whoa, what are you doing? Well, I'm gonna call him back from the dead. And I heard one speaker say, it's a good thing he named Lazarus, because who knows how many people would have come out of that, but Lazarus, come forth. And you know what, people were, man, that's, wow, that's amazing. Did you see that? Let me, text, did, you, did you see that? You gotta come see this, you gotta come out and see this. But don't mistake amazement and wonder for faith. Lots of people were wowed, but they never came to follow Jesus. Where are you? Have you come to follow Jesus? See, this was not an accident. This was the eternal plan of God that his son would take on human flesh, Father, Son, and Spirit, put this together, and he would live the life we were supposed to live. What life is that? Perfect submission to the Father. See, we're created to be in a relationship with God. We rebelled. We pushed back. We said, God, you go your way. I'll go mine. The Bible calls that sin. That causes a separation. Jesus died according to plan. Started with his birth, 30 years on earth. He would, in a mockery of a trial, he would be found guilty of insurrection. He would be spit on, beat on, put on a cross, put to death. And the Romans and the Jewish leaders, he's gone. And then, but, uh, you know, three days later, he's, he's out of the tomb. And the message is going forward. But th that is for you and for me. If you've never trusted Christ, I want to invite you to do that right now for the forgiveness of your sin. What better time of year to do then at Christmas? Now, some of you are saying, Andy, you know, that's great, and I'm, I'm still thinking about this, and I don't know, I'm wondering about it, and I'm considering it. Yeah, that's okay, because that's, that's what Jesus' mother did. Look at this, next verse. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. Mary didn't bang, I'm, I'm in, I'm in. She's considering it. She's wondering, is this true? I mean, we're talking a virgin birth. I mean, if I got two sons, they come home and say, hey dad, my girlfriend's pregnant, but it's not what you think. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not buying that son. But this one we're going to buy, this is a virgin birth. This is the eternal son of God and he gets put in the tomb on a Friday, certified dead because they stuck a spear in his side and he comes back to life. And, 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 and so Mary's thinking about this. And maybe you're thinking about that too and you're not sure where you stand. That's, I'm glad you're here. And I hope you'll keep coming back to think about that. We want to give you space to do that. Because it took Mary a while pondering before she came to faith. After Jesus was born, Mary and Joseph had a number of children together. And, and a lot of those brothers didn't come to faith until after Jesus was resurrected from the dead. I was been taken to church every week in my life. And in my freshman year at Texas A&M, I got part of a dorm Bible study. Not sure what I was getting into. And I got confronted first time with the Son of God died for my sin. And, and I... I've been in church, and I, I said, it took six months, August to February, before I came to faith. If you're in process, I'm so glad you're here, and I invite you to keep coming back. But would you consider the, the account of Christmas? Where do you stand on Jesus and what the gospel writers say about Jesus? Well, these shepherds have had quite an experience, so what do they do? Here's what they do, verse 20. The shepherds went back, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, just as been told them. They went to back to being shepherds. Went back to their same job. But they're not the same people. They're changed because they've met the Savior. 
you know, God may call some of us to do different things, but probably he's going to keep you right where you are, teaching or serving as a nurse or serving as a janitor, serving as wherever you do. You're sent and you're called and by design, you're there. You're a student, you're there by design. Those people that are in your sphere of influence, those coworkers, those fellow students, that's by design. See what you can do to share. Build a relationship with them and build a credibility where you can just simply share your experience with Jesus. We've got six days. Saturday's the day. Have you taken time to celebrate Jesus? Would you make time these six weeks? Have you responded? Do you need to respond to Jesus? Have you been awed and amazed and wow? And, or have you just kind of put it on a pathway? Is it, is it time to respond to Jesus? Are you in process? Would you consider that process? Where would God have you go in your next step? When I was a student at Texas A&M, again, I was there seven semesters. I got a bachelor's, uh, six, what, six and a half years. I got a bachelor's and master's, so seven football seasons. And I, we had a military band, and the band would come out, and they play um, military-type songs. Uh, one was uh, Famous Marches by John Philip Sousa. And so I, I had heard these. I mean, you go to six, seven, eight home football games for seven years. They're, they're locked in your mind. And they were a nice tune, and I, I would listen to them. But it, it wasn't particularly moving. Nine years later, I'm on a um, mission for a school year. I'm in Siberia. I'm doing campus ministry with Campus Crusade. And Siberia was a challenge. I mean, not nearly as developed as a country, and we lacked goods, and it was uh, kind of the mafia was running the country, and it, it unsettled me. And so at Christmas, our landlord says, hey, to me and my roommate, I'll take you guys to a concert. It's an orchestra. And sure enough, it is led by a, an American, but it's a, it's a Russian orchestra. And so the songs go, and, and then it comes to the end, and the guy says, we're going to close with a well-known march by John Philip Sousa that signifies freedom to everybody. And so this march starts that I've heard all my life, and it has, it's, it's a nice tune, and I can't stop crying. I'm just sobbing. Have you ever been there? You're trying to get your emotions under control, and I just can't stop, and I turn my head away. Why, all of a sudden, was I touched by this tune that I'd heard? That, that, that I thought it was a nice tune, but it didn't. Why, all of a sudden, did it hit, bang, like this? Because I was in a different place, a different circumstance, and all of a sudden, everything this tune represented to me came home. And I was so grateful for the place God in his sovereignty had put me to live. And I just couldn't pull it together. So here's what I'm hoping in these next six days. You'll have an experience like that. You've heard the Christmas story before. You've heard it. And yeah, it's nice. And yeah, but I'm praying for you and for me sometime in these next six days. Maybe we'll be hit afresh. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. We're going to sing about that in just a minute. That God cared enough that even us in our rebellion, shaking our fist at God, there was a Savior who said, I'll come and I'll take on human flesh and I'll die in your place. I'll be spit on. I'll be, I mean, I hope that. I hope that comes home. And that you and I celebrate Jesus at Christmas because at Christmas, 
God gave us a Savior. Would you pray with me? Our Father in heaven, we're grateful for Jesus and that uh, you gave us a Savior. And Lord, forgive us to the degree we get familiar and oh yeah, we've heard about that and, and it becomes second nature. Lord, if we haven't celebrated you, uh, I pray we would between now and Christmas that we would be struck afresh by what Jesus has done. It's in his name we pray, amen.